How can we define political Speaker, expansionism? Speaker, the progress towards deep so global right. expansionism so far only benefited the Hi everyone. So um, I'm so glad that there is an audience today for us to talk to Dina later. Before I add in who our guest is, I just wanted to um, introduce her a little bit. So. Our guest today is a very important person, especially to IIUM and IIUM debates. She's an alumni. She graduated from IIUM with a bachelor's degree in English literature. She continued her studies in King's College London with a master's degree in terrorism. What is the terrorism, security and society? Dina currently is a um, journalist in The Star, Media Burhat. Um, Dina also has worked with programs under BBC, the UK's BBC, for example, programs such as Heart Talk. So without further ado, I'm going to invite Dina Murad. Hello. Hi, Dina. Hi, can How are you? Can you hear me? Sorry? Can you hear me? Yes, we can hear you. Oh, wonderful. All right, so um, just... Um, like telling the audiences before we start that if you guys have any questions that you are interested to ask feel free to just tap on the question button below there's a difference between the comment and the question section so we're open to any questions and like, let's make this a discussion as well so um just introducing dina a little bit and the work that she's done so dina has written a lot of articles with regards to the socio-political climate in malaysia there are articles like for example how malaysia benefits by investing in women uh, things like malaysia salaries are insufficient and my personal pre uh, like favorite and i think that the article that has been echoed throughout social media the most is the gender wage gap is real article i think that that was a great article showed a lot of infographics and made people fundamentally understand what the issue is so, Dina, um, the reason as to why we sort of decided to talk with, regarding impartiality is because with media and journalism specifically, we hear that impartial, uh, impartiality is something that is sort of glorified and the opposite, biasness and partiality, is something scrutinized um, generally in society and the way we speak with regards to media. So, before we even start with whether or not it's good or bad, I just wanted to ask, what is impartiality in media? What is it supposed to be? Um, in general, it's the way for you to report in the most accurate uh, manner. So accuracy is one, but also balance, right? So you have to allow different views, points of views to be heard. It's a conflict between those things, so you let both sides have their say. Uh, it means that as a reporter, as a journalist, you shouldn't be prejudiced to one side. And quite importantly, it's the purpose of this is to serve public good. So you have to be sure about your purpose. So in, in my years, like we're not discussing things which are clearly, you know, um, these are clear things where you can where, the, where you can be impartial. Because for the most, most news, you can be impartial. But what we're discussing is the grey areas because um, occasionally you'll come across situations where even you don't know what that impartiality is. Like what would be the most fair way for you to submit a story. So when, when you come across instances like this, what I've done is uh, I, I've used my own inherent view, like because at the end of the day, what is the most ethical way to do it? Uh, what is the way that serves the public the best? This I've been doing it for the past few years. My views might change as I expose to more discussions, as I expose to more experiences. But for now, uh, it means that 
my main goal is um, what is the most ethical way and what is best for you. So I think you already sort of broke one conception of what impartiality is because I feel like a lot of people perceive impartiality as facts only. Um, when I think that what you're trying to relay is things like, for example, giving both opinions um, in a certain scenario. So um, I just wanted to like sort of clarify in terms of impartiality, does it regard opinion or is it like, you know what I mean? Is it you siding towards an opinion or a side of a political spectrum? What What is partiality? Yeah. Um, writing, I try to go by facts. Um, these are the mm. things that, so if I'm writing a news, right, uh, I give all the facts. And then I'm, basically, I, I, we trust our readers to be able to be rational. So when they have these facts, they can make their own opinions. But in news also, there are columns. There are opinion columns. So these ones are clearly giving an individual's point of view. So these within media realm. But what happens is that they make it clear that these are the individual's opinions and not the opinions of you know, the newsroom or whatever it is. But, but yeah, That's, generally... Yeah. yeah, I get it. So basically, you do want to give as accurate of a conveyance and make sure that like sort of opinion doesn't sway. You said just now something along the lines of sometimes you were a bit wary if you were being as uh, if you were inserting your opinions or anything like that. So what do you think is the difficulty in media and journalism in achieving like impartiality? I think right now, when it comes to, if you look at the situation right now, um, if you look at the US, right? Uh, <laughs> it, it's always like they want to give both sides, you know, what Donald Trump says and what the other side mm. says. And those is it is are we being fair to the public when we write about what Trump says or some of the things which may be controversial or mm. inappropriate, right? And if we give him that that space, is it giving legitimacy to these opinions which are bad for the society? So these are the kind of situations which makes it a bit, a bit difficult, I think. I see. So it's sort of like journalists feel like it's they are. Um, it's like the decision to decide is this an opinion or is this an objectively bad opinion that I should not really I see yeah, so yeah. Um, like do you give gravitas do you give weightage to a, I a get it. this kind of statement as well so do you yeah. give more statement when you see when, when you give when you present it in that way I see I see so so in terms of like say what you sort of get as a racist or fascist statement in terms of quoting it or anything like that how do you present it to the public that was really difficult i, I had a situation about this a few years ago i was yeah. covering a, a very a, a racial supremacist event yeah mm. and uh, i had i had written it uh, in a way that to me at that time i thought was impartial so I said, oh, this happened. There was racist things coming on. Uh, people were being mm. threatened. And, and I highlighted it because to me, that was the most visceral thing that happened. Um, and I submitted it. And my editor, uh, smiling, came back to me and said, Dina, are you going to run this story? I said, well, that's what I saw and that's what I experienced and that's what my colleagues experienced. And he said, what if there's a race riot because of this story? Got it, got so, it. So he's also like, you also have to think about the implications of your story, right? Um, so I'm like, okay, that was interesting. And I, I, I still, if I'm faced with that same situation, 
still don't know what I would have done. But my editor at that time really gave me a different view. It's like if you look at the Al Jazeera recently about the Rohingya community, right? Mm. Um, mm. I, I okay. My main gripe was that this individual's name was published and he was tracked down, and there was a lot of doxing mm. happening. But mm-hmm. I thought, like, of course, theoretically, they were they were very ethical. Like, they did get every side that they could. The ones who did respond, but we also have to consider what happens to the people we interview and what happens to society after. Like the story wanted to highlight the troubles that Rohingya community face, right? But in the end, what what happened was that there was more prejudice and there was more backlash. So I think when it comes to writing a story, we also Dina, you're slightly inaudible. Oh no! Can you hear me now? Yes. Um, I lost you. At you have to consider ramifications. Yeah, of of what what happens after you publish your story and whether you're hurting more people. Yeah, that's like a perfect segue to sort of like my next question. Um, in terms of there's a lot of responsibility, like you said. Do you want to start a race riot? There's a lot at hand because people do take media and journalism as their main source of information. There's no, there's hardly any way for them to be able to have personal conversations with Rohingyan or anyone involved uh, in the situation. Um, so I, we sort of like wanted to also ask in terms of like, how does how in your eyes at least how does uh, like partiality I'm so sorry. sway people's? You're not get me. I'm so sorry, but the connection died. Can you hear me now? Yes, I can hear you, but can you hear me? For internet connectivity. It's fine. Uh, do you want to like swap out uh, data to like Wi-Fi and anything like that? Yeah, I just switched off to from Wi-Fi to data. So hopefully this is better. Okay. Okay. So, all right. So, no, I was just saying that I, I, I sort of agree with you in terms of like, I get why media really is the barrier towards like information to a lot of people. Uh, people take media and journalism as their main source of information. There's hardly any chance for us to have personal conversations with like Rohingyans or anyone involved in the party. So I was just wondering, in like your personal opinion, how do you think um, sort of partiality sways facts when people receive them? Like sort of in a reader's point of view, how much does an opinion like is able to sway certain like facts towards readers um i i guess if you if you bombard and i mean if you look at china right um if you bombard an individual with enough propaganda and you limit access to other views you mm. have a, you get enough korea like for example right so media can have a strong influence but if you look at countries like well like our country and um other countries where you don't have like the great wall of china so mm. the power of media to sway information or formal media is still there but not quite as potent as if you're from uh, a, a countries which are very restricted yeah so, so to some degree, you don't think this way is that hard, especially, for example, in climates like Malaysia, because there are other opinions still out there, irrespective of one single article. Yes, maybe one article, perhaps mm. not. Uh, 
but you know, like it's an advertisement, right? <laughs> you, you get exposed yeah. to a lot of one view. But also, people tend to look for the views that echo their opinions. Yeah, of course, the echo chamber classic argumentation. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. Speaking of that, right? Just to sort of like holistically talk about impartiality, because we sort of like talked about what it is, um, whether or not it can sway information. In the most simple way, is impartiality good or bad for journalism? Is impartial. I mean, inherently, I'm for impartiality. Um, you have to, you would have to get both sides because you want to create um, a well-read public, right? So you need to uphold that that ethical ethical ground. And if you come across mm-hmm. situations that are very grey or your livelihood is threatened or whatever it is, um, first off, protect yourself. But second of all, for me, whenever I come across grey areas, I, I go back to what is best for the public and how can I help the public the most. But, mm. you know, be as impartial as you can. Because sometimes there's no right or wrong. There's no black or white. I see. Like, I completely understand that. So, so you can never definitively say it's good or bad. Obviously, there are stronger benefits to impartiality for sure. Um, but... <laughs> I am I am pro impartiality. Like okay, impartial. got it. Impartiality is super important. <laughs> <laughs> yes, definitely. Um, so um, we sort of also in terms of we if everyone sort of agrees that impartiality not everyone um, but the majority of people agree that impartiality is extremely important. Um, that's very theoretical or hypothetical. I like to say like the idea that impartiality is good. In like the current media and journalism, how far do you think impartiality can be practiced? And is there an extent to how impartial you can be? Um, with the, I, I still feel like at the end of the day, you need to have an ethical route. Uh, something to mm. lay your... Um, because like, um, there are things that I feel some journalists just cannot be impartial about. Like if... I was a reporter back in the 1940s in Germany. Like, um, do you want Nazi, the Nazi party the same amount of space as an, another party? Or, you know, can I, go, can I say that, or perhaps, can, can I say that to be impartial, I cannot condemn genocide in Myanmar. There are some things which are indefensible. Genocide is one of it. Having concentration camps uh, for your citizens, that's indefensible. So... When it comes down to it, sure, you have to be impartial, but you also need to have that. I mean, it should be grounded in that ethics. And if someone is something completely ethically wrong, like genocide, then I feel, yeah, we have a right to stand up to these things. Yeah, let's really hope no one is out there defending genocide. <laughs> but, yeah. but some media do, if it's not run by propaganda body. It's or they true. don't recognize Yeah. Speaking of propaganda party, um, in terms of like, I think uh, we sort of want um, you to introduce to us what is um, the Malaysian implementation or Malaysian laws, for example, that sort of maintain this ethics for journalists and media, just to get a view of the Malaysian um, climate in journalism and media. Um, so there are a few things. One is the Sedition Act. It still hasn't been uh, removed, repealed. So anything, especially so vague, this post-colonial law, things 
would disrupt the balance of the country. This would disrupt rulers. So it's very vague. So anyone can get uh, hit by that. And then mm-hmm. there's also the Communications Media Act, which regulates anything, even online reporters. So mm-hmm. uh, it. Uh, the whole ministry does monitor uh, what comes out in the papers, at least. And something else is uh, the print and press, printing and press act. Yeah, so every year it's the renewable act. So you renew your license for this. And if if uh, you cannot renew that license, then you cannot publish for the whole year. And this severely limits the ability of newsrooms to be um, free because mm. it feels like they have to subscribe, subscribe, subscribe to a certain kind of view, or they cannot say things. They fear of saying things which. Be controversial. Uh, so these are some of the things that media houses face. So there's censorship by that, uh, by that law, and this creates self the point of the reporters, which could also be dangerous. Yeah. So we are not sure because these laws are, and they can be misused. That journalists themselves sometimes feel maybe I should self. It's another layer of censorship. I see. By political parties, uh, the parties controlled by laws and then controlled by owners who owns the news agency. Okay, so um, funnily enough, your answers were basically um, things that almost restrict ability to be impartial um, or at least make it a bit hard for you or require some self-censorship which in times can be a good thing, but in times can be some restricting factor. Um, when you sort of mentioned there are ways that a journalist can get their license revoked, in terms of precedence, um, like, w- is there like, a, like an ethical standard or is it just a professional standard? There is precedence. So in the 1980s, there was something called Opslalang mm. uh, when Tun Mahade was in power. And mm. um, media before Opslalang and media after were very different so before yeah. it was a lot more how to say the ability to, to be critical was not as um so what happened was because of the controversy and a lot of uh, racial related things were happening at the time um ops lalang happened and this the star and wata and, and another newspaper were all shut down for six months the star came mm. back uh, right a bit different significantly different i think um, Watan didn't last long after. So this was one major hit that affected uh, press freedom in Malaysia. And there's always a fear that things like this can happen again. But with online news and online media, it's a lot more difficult for Ops Lalang to, to be as effective as it was back in the 80s. Mm. Yeah, I, I was also going to say because most of the news I get at least is screenshots of articles in Instagram or like Dina wrote this article, guys, and then you immediately go through that. So, like, I, I think, like, also the online platform, like, echoes and sort of helps breach the idea and allows more opinions, either from whatever spectrum, I think, more today than it ever was. I, I wonder whether, I'm actually, I was thinking a few days ago, um, whether there is a bit of problems as well when it comes to that, right? Because some mm. media houses... Um, media is an industry that makes that generates a lot of money. Um, so, what happens is sometimes you generate money from clicks, right? Mm. So, the question is, do some people um, write 
news because it generates that click as opposed mm. to it's the most partial thing to do right um if say something uh, a controversial figure or someone say something and you highlight that out of context the media spin mm. um because that would definitely get you all the clicks are you fulfilling your duty as a journalist you know i i i've accidentally done this many years ago when i first started because that was the norm right you you write something and everyone wanted to write something that that happened and i wrote as it is like factually it is correct but there was some little mm. um context, narratives you know, yeah that could, yeah that, that, yeah um it is spirit but it's not the most Dina, you're breaking up a little. It didn't create like a big. It wasn't a big cause. Badly, but it's just like I. I maybe maybe I still feel uncomfortable about it. Else did. Yeah. So to sort of like conclude the whole thing, I think what I get is there are definitely factors that allow some sway of the facts or opinions be it restrictions in terms of allowing opinions to be said inside media or things like for example the clickbait um trend right now in social media that allows only people to get bits of news so i think sort of the last question is for the audiences in terms as a like layman reader and someone who just wants journalism and media to assist in giving them information What do we do? How do we filter out all of these restrictions, and how do we get this imp- version of impartial news that we are expecting? I think the po- the power really lies you with with the public, with all the readers. It, you have such a strong influence um, because I feel like to get impartial news, we have to not focus so much on political ownerships of the big mm. uh, agents. We, we shouldn't rely on advertising because we don't want media to be tied by their advertisers, right? Um, what we can do is pay for your news. Like every single individual pay for it. So your news is not tied down or answerable to anyone but the public uh, that funds them. So in the UK, um, that's how they run news, right? It's not by political ownership. Well, the, the BBC is basically by taxpayers' money, uh, by the public mm. money. And um, the money gets channeled into the BBC, not controlled by any political party. So this way, when the when when you are generated by your funding is generated by the public, that means you put the public interest uh, at at the highest level, mm. uh, not political ownership, not who your advertisers are. And I think this is important. Um, and I guess as Malaysians, what we have to do is we have to pay for our news, <laughs> although it's <laughs> the end. It's tough because Malaysians don't get paid that much, and like thirty ringgit, forty ringgit, fifty ringgit a month is a lot. Mm. That I acknowledge, um, but that that's it. If you want fair news, if you want right news, if you want to be informed, that's what we have to do. I see. Um, so I'll be having a media piggy bank now for. Malaysia Insight soon, uh, and hopefully that will essentially make them re- respond and react to us uh, more as media institutions. I, yeah. So Dina, any last words to sort of give to our Malaysian community? Um, anything you want to add? I I think we sh- we should demand better. Like um, I love I love my I love my insignificant stories. Like I love my oh this artist got married to this artist or this artist cooks for her husband every day or this artist like sweeps the floor. Those are my know. favorite. 
Yeah, I love it. Like, I, and, and I write stuff like that too, you know, uh, Carl goes missing in university, like stuff like that. Ostrich runs on federal. I, I love this stuff, but we all demand the stories um, and, and click on those stories, which we think Okay, you're back. Okay, I'm back. So basically, we have to we have to read better stories. We have to demand better stories. Okay. Yeah. So um, yeah, to the audiences, make sure that if you feel that there is an issue that concerns Malaysia very much, support the article, support media houses that you feel are giving out impartial news, and hopefully, um, we'll reach a point where there are less restrictions to impartiality and that. We are more able to express um, any of our opinions. Um, I think that's it. Thanks so much, Gina, for joining us in the short 25 minutes. I think your, um, everything you shared was very important and I think it's going to inspire a lot of people. Thanks so much, Dina. Thank you, guys. All right. Bye.